0: The college football playoff is moving to the six plus six format next year or five plus seven or six plus six or what is it? And does it benefit the Big 12? This is Locked on Big 12. You are locked on Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked
1: on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Big 12. I'm Drake Toll from ESPN Central Texas. Thank you for making Locked On Big 12 your first listen every single day. Nathan Brown a Big 12 Mafia joins the show today to break down a topic that is ever evolving here and that's the college football playoff. If you don't know, here's your context. 6 plus 6 was five power five conference champions making the college football playoff and one group of five conference champion the best one. Now, with the Pac-12's death, we're talking 5 plus 7. Right should be the power four conference champions and then your your team outside the power four, your group of of six or whatever it might be, but Nathan, one guy named Kirk Schultz, the president at Washington State, wants to watch the world burn a little bit more than I think you and I expected.
1: Yeah. He, uh, look, they're in a bad spot. Them and uh, Washington state and Oregon state were put in a corner when they yep. weren't given a life raft of the big 12, the ACC or wherever. And so Kirk Schultz still has that vote. It's ironic because if yeah. the vote would have been at Utah or the vote would have been at Arizona, that president would have voted for it and we'd be on the way it just happens to be that Kirk Schultz was sitting on that board at the time. And so now he's got it for the next two years and, Uh, I I mean, I don't want to say I'm surprised necessarily because I know that he wants to fight for those schools access. I just don't know what he gains by it. Like my dad taught me a long time ago uh, to get ahead in, in life. You need to be nice to people. And just being, uh, you know, obstructionist does not make people want to, you know, you're not endeared to them. So I, I'm not exactly sure what his end goal is. I know he's asking for, which seems crazy, you know, that them to get the those two schools to get all the money that would have gone to those conferences. And I just yep. think that's ridiculous. So I don't know what his end game is. I just know that five point five and seven is the way it needs to be. Six and six could look something crazy. Notre Dame maybe gets that spot. I don't know.
0: Nathan, I, I do want to jump into how this affects the Big Twelve directly, because if it is seven at large bids, at that point you give leeway for another fringe team to get in. If that's a right. if that's a Utah sitting at eleven and two that sits at twelve, then now under the five plus seven format, they will get in. But even before we go there, does Kirk Schultz have leverage? Cause it seems like he believes that blocking the five plus seven format, gives him leverage. Does this give him leverage or burn bridges? I think it burns bridges and what,
1: what leverage could it possibly give him? Because the ACC and the, uh, sorry, the sec and the big 10 have all the money in the world. Yep. They can wait this out. They, they can just say, fine. Here, take your two years. You guys keep your piddling access, whatever you want to do with it. But then we'll burn you in twenty twenty six, and you'll never get into the playoff ever. And they have the ability to do that. They could break away and do their own thing, and not include Washington State and Oregon State. So, I, I mean, like I said, it, it's one thing to do it and to have a stand and meaningful le- leverage. It's another thing to say, we're just going to do it and hope for the best. And I just don't, I just don't see what his end game could be.
0: This what what seems asinine to me, Nathan is the idea. That one guy can block the entire college football playoff committee from moving in any direction. And, and right. to me, it seems like the SEC and the Big Ten don't like that fact. This is an embarrassing, an embarrassing look for the CFP and the way it's structured. Do you feel as though Kirk Schultz's power is is putting the SEC and the Big Ten in a spot where they want to break away from the NCAA and the CFP altogether even more now?
1: No, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think okay. that they want to they keep playing ball with the with the ACC and the Big 12 and, you know, the, even the G5 leagues. They don't have any problem with that, I think, because they know they're going to win those games. What they want to do is guarantee their spots as much as they can. Right now, if we have a 12-team playoff and it's six, you're only going to get three SEC, maybe four SEC schools in there. And I know the Big 12 covers – no, sorry, the Big 10 covers another mm-hmm. – covets another three or four of those. That just leaves – One for the ACC, one for the Big 12, and one for a fringe G5 school. Um, And and actually two for G5 schools. So now you're even limited more. I mean, the math just doesn't work out. So they don't want that to happen. Look, this all goes back to the negotiation they settled on in 2014 For some odd reason, they agreed to four playoff spots when they had five power conferences. That was just a a stupid choice they made. And they're basically having to pay the price for that now.
0: Nathan, if and this is an aside to consider here, if Boise State goes undefeated, right? And Tulane also goes undefeated. Both of them kind of have to get into a 12-team college football playoff. You talked about it there. You alluded to it there with what if two group of five or group of six teams now get a ticket under this format? So if you're the Big 12 and you see that, the odds of Boise State and Tulane both getting in, but the Big 12 only getting one team in, what is the best-case scenario here for a conference like the Big 12 that isn't the SEC and the Big 10?
1: I think it's only the one spot. If they stay 6-6, and unless there's like two teams, 12-1 and and one's undefeated, yeah. Uh, I find it hard to believe you get two teams in in, in a 6 and 6 format. Um, there's just too many one extra take given away for nothing. Um and Tulane and Boise State may well deserve those, but they got to defer to those bigger conferences cuz they're the ones who are playing the tougher com, uh, tougher opponents.
0: So give me this, I'm a Texas Tech fan. I should be rooting for the 5 plus 7, right? Yes. Yeah. How do we get there? What is the next step to get to the five plus seven? And do you think it will happen?
1: I, I mean, the next step to me is they, they either wait it out for two years and just decide they're going to negotiate 2026 and forward. Now turn the page and, and walk away from Kurt Schultz or in some way, shape or form, they pay whatever he's holding over their head for an outcome for those two schools. And, you know, maybe they get a redu- reduced, Payout that normally would have gone to the Pac-12, they figure, okay, if you're in the Pac-12, you would have gotten an additional two or three million. Write you a check. Here's your two or three million. And Kirk Schultz, um, uh, you know, drops his blocking. In essence, the the deal is he doesn't want the money. He wants the access. He wants to guarantee Washington State and Oregon State have just as much opportunity to get into the college football playoff as say the Big Twelve or the ACC. And, And there's not there's not an equality there. There's no way that works.
0: Is there then, if you're a Washington State fan, an Oregon State fan, a way in which Kirk Schultz withholding this access? Is there a way in which could, could that put them in a good spot? I, I just, To me, I, I don't see how this benefits either of those schools, even when four months ago, it seemed as though they could wiggle their way into a power five scenario. Yeah, I don't know. I can't see where it helps him at all. It doesn't make any sense to me because where's his outcome?
1: He's they're, they're, certainly the Big Ten and the SEC are not going to cave to his demands, right? They're not going to turn around and change their mind and say, "Oh, you're right." All of a sudden, we know that Washington State and Oregon State are worth it, you know, yeah. or the Big Twelve is just going to throw him an invite, or the ACC could throw him an invite. Now they do have a, a dark horse chance to get still into the ACC, depending on what happens with Florida State. And the, you know, sort of follow on stuff that happens from that. But uh, right, right today, I I just, they may settle on something. Maybe they give them an, an, an extra big Halloween basket or something, but I just can't see them doing anything more than offering them money.
0: I think had we seen Mountain West teams break away from their grant of rights in some fashion, whether that was via court or actually paying to do so, maybe then with a reconstructed pac 12, the technicalities would give you an opportunity to keep the six plus six. But at this point, it's what's obvious. The five plus seven is where you have to go. And hopefully somebody appeases Kirk Schultz or, or he lays down his guns and we get the five plus seven for the sake of that fringe big 12 team. If that's who it's able to benefit moving forward. But Nathan, that while that all is happening on one side of things, on the other side of things, we got students that are getting paid via NIL who now want to be paid by their universities. And all with right. a union at Dartmouth, that's possible. Let's go there. We'll do it next right here on Locked On Big 12, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is where I go for effectively some side incomes. Like, oh, you know, I just Super Bowl was the other day and wanted to put some money on the Chiefs. I didn't feel right doing it because like 78% of people put money on the Chiefs, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to. It's Patrick Mahomes. You never bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Well, it worked out. Right now, without the NFL, you can still get buckets in America's number one sports book. March Madness is coming up. The NBA is on right now. New customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar bet. That's right, five dollars. Just throw it there on on the the Baylor money line tonight in basketball, I and mean, they're playing Oklahoma at home. And then one hundred and fifty bucks in bonus bets, and that's quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, all kinds of stuff in the FanDuel app. Options, baby. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot. Fanduel, the official sports book of the NBA. All right, Nathan, we got kids that want to get paid by their school, or at least they're unionizing to do so over at Dartmouth. And this to the, my first my reaction to this. Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, has already put a proposal forward of schools directly paying athletes and the rich getting richer, creating a, a super division amongst teams that could pay their student athletes 30,000 30, more or more a year. Now that Dartmouth students actually unionized, this feels like a, a, a fever dream for what the NCAA president wants to do moving forward. Yeah, I mean, who knows where
1: this goes, right? We've been talking about it on our show for a while that the the um, House versus NCA was huge. You know, that yep. settlement dollar is going to be in the billions. That's and then the Dartmouth thing, you know, in the Ivy League is really a big deal because it gives the students an opportunity to actually become something greater than they were the day before in a collective Uh, Where it goes, I don't know. I think what we – you know, the Charlie Baker thing was just a a shot over the bow. They want to stay relevant, the NCAA does. Mm -hmm. And in three years, I could see the NCAA not having anything to do with college football. I could see the Big Ten and the SEC coming out of their special meetings and saying, you know what – We really don't need you. We don't need you to enforce any rules. We don't need you to administer any of the work. Why are we sharing our money with anything at the NCAA? It's not even an NCAA championship when we're talking about at the end of the year and the list of championships. So – in my opinion, they're just going to walk away from the NCAA. The NCAA is just overhead at this point, and they're going to just create this sort of. It's not super league's not a great way to sound it. It's just another league. It's like a, another division in college football. And uh, that'll be the four power conferences, if there's still four power conferences at that point. And it'll all wash out. The players are going to get paid. Now, we don't know what that mechanism is going to be. Is it the conference? Is it the school? Is it the the entire, you know, all of college football coming up with some pay scale for each individual's uh, division you're in? There's hundreds of ideas about what that might look like. But what we do know for sure is that the players are going to get something and it's going to come from uh, one of the apparatus, either the conference, school, or all of college football.
0: I want to add a bit of, of context to what you said about Charlie Baker almost waving the white flag, his own white flag, and and tossing the SEC and the Big Ten a bone here. That's what it was. This was the a, a PR move from his standpoint of saying, stay in the NCAA. We will create your own little mega circle where you all can create your own rules and pay your own players. Will the Big Ten and the SEC bite? I I don't think so. I'm with you there. They would instead create their own thing. And you mentioned, you say, the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 doing it together. Do you think the ACC and the Big 12 have enough power to break away from the NCAA if the SEC and and Big Ten do so? I think they will in
1: association with those other two leagues. I, I think that the Big Twelve and the ACC, if the ACC is still around as a power yeah. conference, I, I do believe that they will be in that upper group. Because will like that be welcome? You think it would be welcome though? Well, I mean, what's welcome? Obviously, they, they have to have – the problem is is if just those two leagues broke away by themselves to create yeah. some super Uber league, who, mm-hmm. there's only like 10 games a year that everybody's going to lean on. There's not enough power schools. There's like 20 schools out of 40 that would end up ha- having any, any chance at the championship, and 40 is just not enough. Uh, there would be tons of lawsuits, antitrust stuff, and I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to come down to if, if your division or your conference can pay the entry fee, and whatever that entry fee is, they can set that very high, then they show the level of commitment to play at that higher level, pay the players what, what they need to be at that higher level, then anybody could really be in it as long as they're willing to pay the price.
0: If, if these schools break away from the NCAA, what does it do to non-revenue sports or even basketball?
1: Well, basketball is its own thing because of the big, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament every year. They they mm-hmm. give out millions and millions of dollars. So that keeps those programs going. Um, at BYU, BYU is making money on basketball. Not many other places are doing that, averaging yeah. over 16,000 uh, people at every game it's the most in the big 12 and it's like top 10 in the country so uh, there are places that are making money on basketball it doesn't have anything to do with football yes football is subsidizing those other schools or those other um olympic sports but look these schools you have to make a decision you have title nine and that's another reason to break away from the ncaa if you're not in the ncaa you're technically not part of the title nine uh, uh rules and so you could conceivably just have football all on its own and wouldn't, they wouldn't have to share that revenue with any of the sports that are beneath them. Um, I think that's where the big 10 and the sec want to be because they can take the, the remainder of the money and they can keep all of their Olympic sports running really without at infinum it can go forever because of the amount of money they're going to be making it's going to be tough for the big 10 big 12 and the AC, a, ACC to do the exact same thing because even though they're making a, a you know a portion of that they're only making 30 or 40% of that many, maybe in a good year, 50% of that money, it's going to be very difficult to keep those Olympic sports going. So at BYU, I think there's 31 Olympic sports. I could be wrong on that. that they may have changed the number, but uh, to keep those others going, they use football to do that. So I don't know. I mean, these are all decisions. Each one of these schools and conferences are going to have to decide whether they can uh, pay the freight to be up in this upper league.
0: Nathan, before we go, I mean, I'm thinking from the perspective of somebody who's listening to this show for the first time or hearing a lot of this for the first time. And if if that was me, my first question would be, how did we get here? How how did we go from even 2019 or 2020 murmurs of Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 to now talking about the NCAA being a, a, a dormant has been?
1: Well, the NCAA did it to themselves. They've had many, many opportunities in the last 20, 30 years to make the changes, the progressive changes they would need to to stay ahead of this. You know, when the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit happened for basketball, they treated that like it was like the end game, right? They fought against that until they finally lost. They should have gone with O'Bannon, gotten together and said, you know what, let's be proactive. Uh, Look, the money has always been disproportionate for the players. The players don't get any health care, pass their time at the school. They don't get any residuals for their uniform numbers or anything that goes as they pass through the the school. And that's not fair. And we live in a a capitalist society. The people doing the labor should get a portion of the, the winnings, as it were. And the NCA just didn't want to be a part of that. They wanted to continue to hoard the money that they did. Uh, in my opinion, in a corrupt fashion, the NCA's not run in a, in a forthright way in, in decades, really. And so the way we got here is they let it get out of hand. And then the conferences then are also culpable because they didn't try, when they did their negotiation in 2014, they didn't build in anything like this. They said, yeah. oh, it's just another con- uh, contract. It'll go eight years, 10 years. And then when we get 10 years down the road, we'll renegotiate again. And the thing will just keep going and going and going. Instead, they should have looked at it and said, look, we need systemic change. We see that there's this this disparity in TV money between all the conferences, for one. And then each of the schools is making a disparate amount of money between themselves. And that that was always going to have to come uh, that bill is going to have to be told sometime and it just happens to be now it's rolling up. And, and I think it was uh, uh, Doug Rohan that said uh, yes. it, he's a lawyer. I don't know if you know who he is, Rohan law. And uh, he basically said the NCAA had a chance to be ahead of all of this And they could have had it all settled back in 2017, 2018. Everybody would have had money. Everybody would have been together. And the super leagues, the the super uber conferences of the SEC and the Big Ten wouldn't exist. The back 12 would still be together. The Big 12 would still be what it used to be. And everybody would have been sharing equally. Instead, they set it up broken. And now we are where we are.
0: We're in a mess, the middle of a mess, Nathan, and I, schools have realized it. Athletes have realized it, and that is what has gotten us to this point. So yeah. I, I'd like to go a little more detailed into the Big 12 and the schedule that that Brett, your marketing company released a couple of weeks ago. I haven't talked to you about it yet, but I was peeved that the, the Holy War wasn't played on rivalry week. Let's get your thoughts on it coming up next right here on Locked On Big 12, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And eBay's guaranteed fit. Means it's guaranteed to fit your ride. eBay Motors, your burner rubber, not cash. With all the parts at all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply, eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. That is eBay Motors. Visit them today. All right, Nathan. BYU, Utah. It is the biggest rivalry in the Big 12. Any given year, it's the top five rivalry in college football. I truly believe that. And Brett, your had an opportunity to put this rivalry on Rivalry Week. Instead, he opted for Arizona, Arizona State to represent the conference. Um, I guess I get it in essence, right? Block things up, break things off, don't compete with Alabama-Auburn. But to me, I think you've de- delegitimized what, what Big 12 competition is when you take your biggest game and you don't put it in the biggest moment.
1: I, I would have to agree with you. I mean, I get the the economic sense and the idea that more people will watch when, when they're not pulled in so many directions like you are on, on rivalry weekend. But I also believe that it undercuts the value and what you say the league is actually worth. You're basically surrendering and saying, we're, we can't fight, we can't compete. And because of that, we're going to take our rivalries and spread them out. And, uh, yeah, I was disappointed. I think most Utah, and BYU people were disappointed. We expected it to be a big challenge. Maybe the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, you know, compete against the Texas A&M game, or you know, compete against Auburn, Alabama on Saturday. I don't know, but I was looking forward to that. And um, now it's the first of November, and you know, whatever that looks like, I don't know. Maybe they'll decide after this year that. It wasn't the win that they thought it would be that they weren't going to get as many people, even though Alabama that weekend would only be playing against Ole Miss. Um, but look, we're always going to be the big 12 is always going to be stepping up and fighting against those bigger conferences. Those bigger yeah. conferences almost every week have something you can com- compete and say, that's a rivalry. So, um yeah. I don't know. I well Time will tell. Well, the TV numbers will really dictate what happens with that. But I think putting in in surrendering it so that's not the end of the month uh, in November. I, I just, yeah, it hurt my heart a little bit.
0: To me, Nathan, the Big Twelve told us there is no XYZ way, no algorithm, no formula for how the games were slotted. The only thing they wanted to do was stay away from the big matchups in college football and try to uplift the Big Twelve on weekends that didn't have big games in the SEC or the Big Ten. But I I if that's if that's the thing, if there's true autonomy for your scheduler, they can do effectively whatever they want, except for put games on Rivalry Week. I, I think. BYU and Utah is different. Those two fan bases themselves are different. They would carry any weekend, but especially rivalry weekend, when you boil down to two teams that could very well be competitive in Big 12 football and have been historically competitive. Look, Arizona, Arizona State, one New Year's Six Bowl between the two of them. We're yeah. talking BYU-Utah, passionate fan bases yeah. and a great rivalry. If if we're free to make our own decisions in making the schedule, that seems like the game in this conference. I
1: don't know what they're thinking. I mean, why bring in Utah if you're not going to maximize the the effect of the holy war? Why, why, why try to take that and use it as a as a, a, a duplicator or a, a massive multiplier uh, to bring in new fans? It was a great opportunity to highlight something that would show the world on top of the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. This is what our brand can do, right? Um, it's, it's surrendering it and moving it saying we don't think it can be good enough or saying we just need to have more numbers on off weeks. I think that's a cheap way to go about it. It doesn't make me happy. I don't know. I haven't met one person that said, yeah, that was my first choice to have it in the first week of November. So I, I don't know. Uh,
0: it's it's out of my hands. They didn't ask me. so. Right. Instead, we're showcasing TCU in Cincinnati that weekend. Yeah. Really, I, yeah. Don't get me started. I mean, show the country. Week, I might not even watch any football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nathan, before we let you go here, the the schedule as a whole, were you happy, unhappy? What, what did you because there were a couple teams who have, you know, six road trips in eight weeks. What did you think about what Brett your mark rolled out? You want to be honest? I mean, to yeah.
1: no, be honest, yeah. I think I think he made the the schedule for Utah the easiest that they could possibly do. Oh, Utah has the easiest path to the college football playoff, yeah. and I think your mark knows this. Uh, they have a team coming back that is loaded, and um, their 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 uh, schedule is not tough at all.
0: Can I can I pause you there? Because already, yeah. Nathan, somebody's going to the comment section to type. Of course, the BYU guy would say that, but no, 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 Utah. He's right. And, yeah. and that's okay. It doesn't dilute how good Utah is, but if you look at the schedule, it's the easiest one in the Big 12.
1: It really is. Their only tough game of the entire year outside of BYU is they have to travel to UCF on the last weekend of the year. Yeah. And so UCF maybe is able to do something, but in my opinion, They looked at the odds and they looked at every team coming back and they wanted to reinforce how strong the Big 12 was. And in doing that, they gave them – of all the schedules they could give them, they gave them the easiest. And I would challenge anybody – you, there's my name on on Twitter. Uh, Find me. Send me a message and tell me why Utah's schedule is justified against some of the ones that uh, BYU schedule is horrendous. Yeah. BYU has one uh, of the most difficult schedules in, in all of college football next year. So, uh, and I know that's going to happen from year to year. But yeah, I I just here here in Utah, people just shook their heads and you know, go, "Okay, we know what's going on there."
0: Yeah. Um, I actually think that 10 and 1 or 11 and 0 Utah, I do believe they'll be good and the schedule's easy enough. We'll go into Orlando and lose. I think that it, it would be very Kyle Whittingham to have already locked in a spot in the Big 12 championship game and then just lose to UCF on the yeah. road where you're favored by seven. But uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Nathan, between now and then, you'll be covered it very closely with all your work from YouTube to Twitter to uh, you name it. Where can people find what you do day in and day out? Uh, Big 12 Mafia on Twitter. We've also started
1: a college football mafia. You can put those both in and they'll pop up. Uh, We're covering all things, Big 12 and college football in general. We cover realignment. We cover news. uh, Like we just talked about legislation, House versus NCAA and these other things that most people don't pay attention to. They just don't get into the minutia. That's what my team does. And and the guys on my show really understand what is going on. And we look behind what is normally reported. And we give you stuff that hopefully maybe nobody else could provide. And uh, we don't tell you what to think. We provide the data and then allow you guys to join in the conversation. So I invite, invite everybody to follow me there at Big 12 Mafia or sorry, at B12 Mafia on Twitter or just type in Big 12 Mafia on YouTube and uh, it'll take right, take you right to us.
0: And anytime Nathan invites you over for steak, he makes a hell of a ribeye. So you better accept it. <laughs> that, was, take. that was good meat.
1: That's true. It was, good. was good. It meat. was good.
0: Nathan, thanks for joining the show today. You bet. Thank you very much, Drake. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely, my friend. For everybody else out there, I will be back tomorrow talking basketball. They're playing basketball. We're talking basketball here on. Thanks for making it your first listen every single day. Locked on. Dose Grande.